Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today we're talking about helping parents connect to their kids when their kids are hurting. Noah and I will be talking with our guest about what it looks like to help parents identify when students are hurting and equip parents with the tools to open up difficult, vulnerable conversations uh, so that they can understand and encourage their children. If you're anybody who works with students, you know just how deeply a lot of parents love their kids, but sometimes you also see how difficult it is for parents to encourage their kids to open up when they can tell that their children are hurting about something and and to have those intentionally vulnerable conversations with their kids. I know working in a peer counseling ministry with a lot of kids, I would hear parents just, as I was discussing with them, their child, just their great love for their kid, their desire to see them healed and um, you know, just recognizing their full potential as students. And so I know that there's lots of parents who just deeply love their kids and really feel like they may not have that moment of connection that they really want, or maybe just, you know, don't feel like they have the tools to open up those conversations with their kids. Sometimes their kids seem closed off, or they kind of want to be living their own life, or it feels kind of weird for their parents, of all people, to be kind of digging around the nitty gritty of of what's going on in there. And so I I really value parents who want to connect with their kids deeply, know what's going on, and, and help them heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it seems to me in my work with student ministry, there's almost like a, like a curve. It changes as your kids grow up. When our kids are young, we want to figure out how to have those tough conversations, how to deal with the awkward moments, when to start talking about sex, or when to start talking about friendships or, or things like that. And when we see our kids hurting when they're young, a lot of our questions are about how to manage that conversation. But as our kids get older and our kids start to develop independence and start to individuate from us and they start making choices that we don't agree with, I also encounter a lot of parents whose kids are hurting, but there's also hurt between the kids and parents. And a lot of parents are mad. Um, We get frustrated with our kids and we don't know how to connect because they're making bad choices or they are pushing us away or they're disagreeing with us or there's a whole bunch of different things. So there's, I think, a couple of really strong emotions that can also kind of drive a wedge between us as as parents, we get scared or mad or hurt or sad and all of those things drive a wedge as well. And so uh, I think this is a really important conversation because as pastors, And as people in ministry trying to help parents, we have to be able to empathize with their perspective, but also be a little bit of objective and be able to give some some helpful coaching tips Mm, because we really want to see our parents connect well with their kids. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, Bobby and I, while we've both worked alongside parents a lot and we've had a, a plethora of these conversations, we wanted to bring another voice into this conversation, and we're really fortunate to have her here. Her name is Courtney Wilson. Courtney is the children's pastor at Christ Community Church in St. Charles, Illinois. Uh, She's been in children's ministry for over 20 years. She's been published in Homefront Magazine and is a contributor to David C. Cook's True Curriculum. She's also a mom to four very fast kids, uh, her two (laughs) oldest sons, 
have actually been some of the top ranked runners in the state. And so she knows what it's like to be both a, a pastor, helping parents and a parent herself. Mm. Uh, so Courtney, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're so grateful that you're here. My guess is that you know a bit about trying to connect with kids that are hurting um, because you're both a parent and been a leader. You're, so you're on kind of both sides of, of the fence. Uh, would you be willing to describe a little bit about the pain you see in kids in your home and, and in your church? And, and as you describe that bit, can you talk about how you see parents struggling to connect when they see their kids hurting? Yeah, you know, it's interesting in my ministry context, uh, I minister to kids, infants through fifth grade and focus on those age groups. And so I see what happens in the infants through fifth grade age. And then at home, I minister to kids that are fifth grade through college. So I get the entire spectrum right now in my life. And, you know, with the littler ones, with younger kids, a lot of times that hurt is coming from not their own choices, but the people around them. And a lot of times it is parents who have caused some of that hurt because of authority, mm -hmm. uh, wrongly ordered authority or authority that they mm -hmm. have in their kids' lives. Uh, and then as kids get older, as my own kids get older and in my own home, sometimes it's pain that I have caused uh, as a parent or something mm -hmm. that I've done or it's choices they've made or people around them. So I think sometimes in this topic with parents struggling to connect, uh, it's really hard because sometimes it's it's mm. us that has caused mm. some of the pain mm. and some of the, the problem. Yeah, that's that's a really um, powerful way to, to launch us because what you're talking about is there's a mixture of wanting to connect but also having to uh, face our own shame when we're trying to connect. Yes. For sure. And that makes it significantly harder to connect with our kids when we realize like, oh, this is pain. This is pain that I've caused and I want to connect with you. But I, in order to do that, I also have to realize like I, I'm, I am a part of the problem. So as a pastor, we'll start there. But as a pastor, how do you encourage a parent through that sense of shame to that connection? You know, I, that's, that's where it's pastors connecting with parents, right? And having right. some... Mm -hmm authority yeah. in a parent's life and being able mm. to connect with them. You know, I, I think a lot of this, both on the parent level and on connecting with families on a professional level have to do with what kind of authority, what kind of authorship do you have in kids' mm. lives and in families' lives? Mm. And how have you built that authority or that, that authorship um, into their lives? So I think it's important for us as leaders to be able to connect with parents to help them to see where maybe there's some wrongly ordered, you know, authority in their kids' lives. Yeah. So my experience was was much more as a as a leader in ministry. I've gone like the older ages, right, Courtney? So we worked together for a bunch of years, and I would I would inherit kids from you and work with them in student ministry, and by the time parents get to student ministry, a, a lot of that stuff feels more set. Like they they feel like they've hit a rhythm, whether, whether good or bad. So a lot of times uh, I felt like there's an undoing process that also needs to happen mm. of like there's hurt that's, that, that has been established. And so as I've tried to lead parents through that as a leader in ministry, I, I want to say like, hey, it's okay to admit our wrongdoing. Like it's in fact critical for us to admit yes. our wrongdoing. And some parents I think 
swing on one side of the pendulum or to the other side of the pendulum, they always admit all of their wrongs um, or they never admit any of their wrongs. And both of those um, swings seem to be a little bit problematic because if you always admit all of your wrongs and you kind of parent from this position of, I don't have anything to offer my kid, the kid feels kind of aimless. Like what, there's no parameters left. There's no strength in the household. There's no structure. And so the kid is left to try to figure out what's right and wrong. And on the other swing, you know, I don't do anything wrong. You must listen to me. And the kid's like, why? And you're like, because I'm the parent. And when we come at it with that as our primary, our primary authority structure, uh, the kid will maybe, we might be able to moderate their behavior, but we lose the opportunity to influence them. They, they, they don't want to listen to us because they're like, you're not explaining it. And especially the older kids that, that I work with, they need that explanation. They need the dignity of the explanation. Yeah, yeah. It's really about stewarding that authority well, and and helping parents understand how to steward that authority when they are little. You have positional authority. You can say because I'm the mom, that's why, and it works. Uh, you can yeah. kind of, but if you don't steward yeah. that well when they're little, if you don't give them choices, if you don't let them participate within that and build that relational authority right at that little middle school age, it flip flops. Mm. And all of a sudden yeah. parents have relational authority and that positional authority is on the downhill. And if yeah. you haven't built yeah. it, built the relationship, then your relational yeah. authority is going to fall apart. And mm. for parents to realize that as they're yeah. building those younger stages, it yeah. really helps that connection to continue. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I, when I meet with, yeah. with parents in, in counseling settings, I always just draw an X on a piece of paper with arrows on the ends and a line on the bottom that says baby, adult. And I say like the X represents your, um, at the beginning of the kid's life, you were 100% authority and zero influence. Uh, because a baby cannot be influenced. You do everything for that baby. You control the baby. And throughout the course of that kid's life, as they grow, your authority naturally shrinks. And if you parent wisely, your influence naturally grows. But there is like this X point in the middle where like that's to me like 13-ish. There's like begins to be this, yes. this swap of like, if you try to hold your authority at this point, which many parents do because they don't like that their kid is making their own choices. If you try to hold this authority here, it won't be an X and you will lose all of your influence at the same moment uh, that your authority is also dropping. And so if you, if you try to hold on to that authority, in other words, if you try to continue to tell your kid, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. You can do that and you can control their behavior, but you will lose the opportunity to influence them. So they yes. won't ask you questions. They'll ask their friend questions or they'll ask a, another, maybe another authority figure, but usually their friends. And you'll lose that, that, that position of influence. Mm. And then I also encourage them, like it's not a hopeless thing because with that increasing influence, your kid is increasing independence and responsibility too. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing it well, what I what I would say to a parent is, you're every as you give away your authority, you're really saying to the kid, "Hey, I'm not going to make this decision for you. You make the decision, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be here to be a sounding board so that as you make the decision, you have a safety net um, and somebody to fall back on and and to to rely on to to talk with." 
and to kind of process these decisions with. But I'm going to let you make the decision and you might fail. And this is the place I want you to be able to fail for a while while I'm still here. Really good points. And it's interesting hearing from you guys who are a little further down the line as parents and leaders for me. Who's I just have these conversations with parents, you know, but I am not a parent myself. And so kind of even alternating my mindset to think about, okay, how do I communicate that process to a parent when, you know, I've actually never experienced that myself, but I've had a lot of those similar conversations. And I think it's interesting how you're talking about, you know, having that absolute authority when they're younger and then oddly as they grow older, letting it go and kind of doing this handoff as they as they mm-hmm. go through stages and saying, I'm giving you a little bit more authority over your life bit by bit by bit until you're out of the house, you're doing most mm-hmm. of the stuff on your own and I am no longer really the authority. I, I can give advice, I can give support, but you are now in mm-hmm. charge of making the decisions. One of my questions for you would then be, because you bring up a good point, and Courtney and I are, are both parents, and, and so our experience is different. What is it like as a younger leader when a parent looks at you and says, you don't know, you're too young to tell me what to do? What, what mm. would you tell another uh, leader in ministry? Like, how do, how, do you, how do you cope with that sort of parental challenge? Yeah. Well, you know what I think is interesting is parents will, you know, often say that or they'll say, you know, you're young, you don't have kids. How do you know? And my first question to them is always, do you think that I have your kids best interest at heart in being their pastor and their leader? Because Mm. I think sometimes parents ask that and they kind of um, not in a rude way, not even meaning to do this, but they're kind of like, oh, well, I'm their parent. So I have their best interest at heart. So I want to make sure that this Mm -hmm. person also wants the best for my student and so i just ask that question to kind of establish some trust and just get on the common ground of like we both want what is best um for your student and we both really want to um reinforce the same message here and uh Mm -hmm. and that can really open up a conversation with parents to say okay what do you think is best for your student let me tell you what Mm -hmm. we're teaching let me tell you what we're trying to strengthen Mm -hmm. in these students and yeah. kind of letting them know that we're on the same team. And part of my job as a pastor, as a leader in ministry, is to really equip you with the knowledge mm-hmm. of what we're teaching your students so that you can drive that home. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, parents have the most time with their kids. We're pastors, we're leaders, but we really get four to six hours, maybe eight hours total with their kids per week, and parents have the most amount of time. So my job is yeah. really to speak to that parent saying, I'm yeah. here to support mm-hmm. you, and to pour into your your child. And so really kind of breaking down that barrier of what Mm. do you know, how can you tell me by saying, you know what, maybe I can't tell you exactly what you should do for your student, but I do care for them, and here's what we're trying to do, and we can talk about how to do that together. And so really uniting and saying we're both for your student kind of um, Mm -hmm. deters that uh, that obstacle. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I love the way you talk about that already, Noah, because I think I was less mature than you um, <laughs> ten, <laughs> 10 years ago. Is I feel like I've gone through more of a uh, like a, a series of curves uh, when it comes to like leading parents. Um, because I remember in school when I was studying youth ministry, like the Think Orange curriculum stuff came out mm-hmm. and I was like so gung-ho. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let's do family, church, ministry. We're going to think orange and I'm going to be the best parent equipper ever. <laughs> and then I got into youth ministry and I like got mad at parents. I was like, 
like Courtney said, like I saw the pain the parents were causing their kids mm. and I got mad and I was like, well, clearly these parents, they don't know what they're doing. Like they don't know how to mm. parent anything. And like, I, I, and I was like, literally, I, I, I'm even feeling the physiological feeling right now of some of the things that I've seen in our ministry parent, like the effects mm. of parents on, on kids that have come through the ministry. Yeah. But then, I, I mean, then we became parents and then we became foster parents and we had some teenage uh teenage kids come through our home and all of a sudden I was wildly humbled as like a mm. quote unquote expert in in this space mm. like I studied youth ministry I have a master's in, in, in licensed therapy and and I was lost as somebody who has mm. done this professionally for you know for for over 15 years and like I don't know what I'm doing with this kid <laughs> all of a sudden mm. I like was yeah. rehumbled and reconnected <clears throat> and no, what you're saying is exactly what I now think. Like, hey, kids are a mystery and mm. they're a, like, they're really difficult. Like it's hard to parent mm. and there aren't a lot of like perfect answers. And so let's just be a team with, and mm. let's set uh, shared goals yeah. together. And if we yeah. set shared goals um, between us, for sure as parent pastor, parent leader, um, parent mentor, parent small group leader, like, if if we set those shared goals, the kid is gonna feel yeah. that mutual like that wraparound support. Yeah, and even better if we can get the kid to to also be a part of creating that shared goal. That's that's the Absolutely. ideal. Is they are if they're mm -hmm. a part of the system, then all of a sudden it's lots of us working together uh, for the same mm -hmm. shared goal. So no, what you're what you're projecting is like wisdom that took me a, a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that a lot. And and one thing I would also add, being a younger leader in ministry, um, when you're talking to those parents, does have some advantages in terms of you said, you know, things really shifted and you understood parents when you became a parent. Mm -hmm. And before that, you were kind of frustrated. And I think one of the great things about being a younger leader in ministry who is unmarried, is not a parent, is that the students really do feel like you can kind of convince them that I can really empathize with you because... Mm -hmm. I'm literally in your situation. I just, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit older. I have a little bit more responsibility, but I understand mm -hmm. what it's like to be under maybe the shackles of just having a couple of things that like, I really want to do this. I know I have this potential, but you know, I'm waiting to to reach out and kind of take it or I'm, I'm really waiting to be out on my own and be a fully formed person. And mm -hmm. so you can mm -hmm. kind of bring students with you and say, I'm an adult, I am a leader, but I'm a younger leader and I really know what it's like to be in your position because I was there just a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and then kind of use that to bridge the conversation between the parent and the student saying, I'm a partner with the parent, but I'm also a partner with the student as a middleman to help them understand each other. Yeah, I think that's true of all leaders of ministries and things mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. is that you, again, going back to this, you know, this authority buzzword that we've thrown out a few times here, you know, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, but everybody's writing a story. The parents are writing a story. The kid is writing a story and you're writing a story as a ministry leader. You have thoughts on what's happening. Uh, that's a third party story. And so I think no matter where you are, if you're a parent, if you're a young leader, uh, you have an opportunity to really look at what stories are being written 
and help to author that connection with the the parent and the child, no matter where they are in that journey, wherever maybe some of that authority has kind of fallen off or become wrongly ordered. Uh, I think that, yeah, we can play that into it. You're a parent. I'm not a parent. I'm a mom. You're a dad as a, as a ministry leader. But ultimately, God has given you a position in that, that family's life to be able to speak the, the story and steward their story alongside of them. So helping them to see that, I think, helps with those connections as well. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I really like that idea of changing the perception to a building a story together. Yeah, that's a great way to, to look at it. That's valuable. Hey, we know that being leaders in ministry, we see a lot of hurting students, and we want to be able to equip you to reach and care for those students even more in your ministry. That's why we created the Regroup program. It's a ready-to-use 12-week program that helps kids learn coping tools to deal with their pain, and it prepares leaders like you to guide those kids to find healing. So if you're looking for something that will actually give you a clear pathway, Regroup is a really helpful and effective tool designed to prepare you to guide students to find healing. You can get started and find out more about Regroup by visiting rallypointmin.com slash regroup. So as we were preparing for this podcast, uh, we, we asked some parents to also contribute some of their questions and their uh, what they wanted us to to discuss. So this is going to be interesting because we're we're talking to pastors about how to prepare parents. So these are some of the questions that our real life parents contributed to the conversation that they want preparation from a pastor for. So we're going to talk about how to prepare the pastor to prepare the parent. And, but our, our friend Carla pitched in this question. A lot of the time, um, their kids uh, are are uh, we want our kids to have real life. Uh, experiences. And sometimes real life includes pain and includes hurt. But also as a parent, we want to protect them. And we always want to keep them protected. So how do we allow for this kind of learning? So I think the question is, how do we balance between seeing our, allowing our kids a certain amount of leash or a certain amount of pain? And when do we like scale back in? When do we come back in and, and save the day or protect them from that pain? Wow. Um, <laughs> I really try to figure out the best way to uh, mold that. I think our kids, you know, again, going back to really young ages, it's the child who pulls the chair up to get something off the top of the fridge. Like they want the fruit snacks, right? And as a parent, my response is you might fall because you might not. I mean, my child might successfully <laughs> snag those fruit snacks, right? Or they might fall. So I'm right if I say you might fall, because if they do, then I, I mean, I told you, yeah, yep, you might fall. And if they don't, then I was still right. Like you might fall. And so then as they're getting older, you're starting to say, hey, how am I going to guide and direct this gently? Um, seeing that some of that pain is going to produce really good fruit in the end. And mm -hmm. as a parent, to, to bubble wrap them is not going to work. But to allow some of that course correction yeah. to happen is a good mm -hmm. thing. And, and yeah. to help parents see, like, it's okay to let some failure happen. Yeah. 
and then it's okay sometimes to to help. I I think I you know in our family one of our phrases we use a lot is I say, do you want to borrow my brain? Because mine is fully <laughs> developed and yours is not quite there yet, and that's okay. <laughs> it's not supposed to be. You know, you're you're yeah. 19, 16, 14, 10. It's not supposed mm. to be developed. But mm. I will let you, I can help you. I can you can borrow my brain. And I can mm-hmm. give you kind of the outlook mm-hmm. that I see on this and yeah. see what happens. I might be right. Yeah. <laughs> I might not yeah. be. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, think I love that term. Different kids are, are uh, they're different. Like each kid is unique and each parent is unique. And so when it comes to a question like this, how much leash should I give my kid? I would honestly say, think about your kid. Some of your kids need extra leash. And in some sense, like they are not the expert on life, but they are the expert on themselves. And often as parents, we we think we are the, the only expert in the house. And so I think there's a space, even young, to ask a kid, what do you think we should do? I'm still the parent. And so if you come up with something ridiculous, I'm going to put a boundary in place. Yeah, Ezekiel asked me the other day to help him climb on the roof so he could throw his new toy off the roof. And I was like, yeah, so (laughs) you're a little too young to throw things off roofs. So like, we'll do that maybe in in like high school together. But right now I just think if I start allowing roof climbing, we're just going to be in some weird places. And you don't really have good control of your body yet. So like that to me was too far, but I let him do a lot of other crazy things and um, push a lot of physical boundaries. And I think that's why he feels open to ask that question and to bring that sort of thing up. I think each kid is different. I wouldn't do the same thing with my next kid. I, I, mm-hmm. I like, they are different humans. And I would ask him like, what do you, you know, what do you think we should do? And to really be curious about their response, about about their thought process. And as they get older, um, especially in, in middle school and high school, you're gonna have some kids that need a sense of individuation from you. Like they need mm-hmm. the, the space to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's not a condemnation of your parenting. And in your ministry, it's the same thing. You're going to have some people who like listen to everything you say and love everything you say and are going to follow everything you say. And you're going to have other people who are like question and doubt and bring up philosophical arguments about why you're wrong. And both of those are good. Like neither of those are bad. One of them might be more um, difficult for you Mm -hmm. to process or to deal with. That doesn't make it worse. And so I think like losing the sense of like a hierarchy to some of these methods are better and some of these are worse yeah. and and gaining more curiosity mm. is is really helpful both for the parent and for the pastor yeah you're you're parenting you're dealing with kids but you're raising adults like when we mm. say we're raising That's kids yeah. we're really raising adults and as someone who you know launched one off to college last year and watched him and some of the decisions that he was making and got to be one of the kind of guideposts. And luckily there were other ministry leaders, people who had been put in his life along the way, who he was able to go to and talk to and get some good, solid advice from when he was hurting. And maybe I wasn't the person that he needed to connect with at that moment. To hear him say to me, you may not have 
taught me how to uh, ride public transportation was super Mm -hmm. scared because I didn't really teach him how to do that. And he said, you may not have taught me how to do that, but mom, you taught me how to navigate relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. thankful Mm -hmm. for that because in the end that helped Mm -hmm. him to be able Mm -hmm. to get through, you know, some of those difficult times. Yeah. I think with a lot of that, that the, one of the key pieces to me, leading a small group, teaching people to lead a small group, and, and just in general, leading young people, the, one of my rules of thumb is the person speaking uh, or the person doing is the person learning. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you as a parent or you as a pastor are the one who's doing the majority of the talking, you're the one learning, not your kid. Mm-hmm. But if the kid is talking, the kid is learning. And so if you can create a space where they are processing out loud with you, they're going to learn from that. And then you can kind of give feedback. You can't give feedback if you're talking. (laughs) So good. And you don't know what they really think if you're talking. I think, you know, we want to encourage, especially as kids get older, we want to encourage our parents, like, how can you, like, what is it going to take for you to create a space where the kid wants your input? Mm. Hmm. That's valuable. Yeah, I really like, Bobby, what you mentioned about the person talking is the person learning and just considering the fact that having those regular conversations, Courtney, like you were talking about saying, do you want to borrow my brain, invited them into a conversation so that they can talk and they can start Mm -hmm. thinking through things really helps them grow into adults who are thinking critically and, and who are really considering the world around them rather than just reacting to maybe whatever their parents have to say or the first piece of advice that they might get. Just moving it along here, just because we have a couple of other questions. I, I was curious. We had another person, Bernie, throw in a question, and they were asking, how, how is it that we can continue to have empathy when those hurting kids that we love as parents are pushing us away? So how can we as leaders and pastors equip parents or teach parents or encourage them to have empathy even in those uh, tough times when their kids don't seem to want to have those conversations? And then how do they recognize in the midst of that if it's a student that is hurt that needs to have a conversation or if it's just a defiant student who really doesn't want to be engaged? Yeah, that's when I go back to really looking at how people are writing a story. If you just, if you, if you really look at life a lot of times as, as writing one big story, it really kind of helps you to kind of think through where things are. But where is the kid putting themselves in that story? Are they the hero? Are they the victim? Are they the villain? And are they starting Mm -hmm. to act out in ways that are playing that role? Uh, That is not the role that God has for them. Not not at all. Uh, Hero, victim, villain, not not our role to play. Uh, So as a as a parent, I think I find empathy or even as a ministry leader, I find empathy uh, when I stop and think, where are they putting themselves wrongly in this story? And how can I help them to see this story the way God sees this story? How can I help them to see this in a different way and to reframe that and to to stop and say, okay, are they being, are are they in a place of hurt or are they in a place of defiance? And is defiance really an active way of hurting? Because Mm -hmm. it feels like Mm -hmm. you're doing something when you're being defiant. It feels like you're, you're doing, you're trying to solve the problem. So defiant kids are generally hurting kids. And so really mm-hmm. there's a, a place mm-hmm. of hurt there as well. Mm. Yeah, I think 
I would encourage people to identify what type of problem it is. So you, you put it in, in terms of story, which I think is super helpful. I've always, I've put it in terms of, we call them the four D's of student discipline. And we talk about like, if you can identify, is this kid distracted? Is it simply that they're distracted? Like we, we've put them in an environment where there's a lot of activity or not enough. And so they're just they're just being a kid and it's super normal for a kid to have a short attention span and so they're gonna act a little crazy. The second piece would be like disrespect. Like there's there are kids mm. who are gonna just push the boundary to see where the boundary is. So I, I try to figure out is this is this mm. disrespect? And if so, I'm gonna I'm gonna set the boundary, I'm gonna explain the boundary. It's kind of an opportunity for me to teach them or redirect and to set the clear boundaries, set clear expectations. And then I think there's a, a, a third D that's like the, the defiance that you mentioned. And this is where a kid knows the rule and is going to try to flex their independence. They're going to push against me. And there's lots of reasons for that. So I, I don't see that as like a personal affront because I know that I'm the leader and I know I'm in charge. So when a kid is defiant against me, I don't see it as my fault or my problem. I see it as like this kid probably has an issue at home or a, a, a bad day or a bad or hurt relationship or or something else going on. I don't take that personally, but I do think it's something that I have to address quickly and immediately yeah. uh, because I think blatant disregard for rules or expectations need de decisive action. It's not something that can be ignored. Yeah. And so there are times where I just say like, this is too far and you can't do that. And as, as a ministry leader, if I'm, if I'm away with kids, I have a certain, maybe it's camp or whatever, that would be like a situation I'm gonna call your parents and, and we're gonna have immediate consequences. If I'm talking to a parent, like defiance is a space where you have to be the parent and, and set a, a very clear boundary and have consequences right there. Mm -hmm. As a foster parent, the fourth D is one I've become far more familiar with, which is dysregulation. This kind of looks like those other ones, but it's the kid is actually just, they are not in control anymore. Mm -hmm. Their emotions are out of whack. They are really agitated. Um, and it's it's actually a physiological thing. Their body can't calm down. And so... It's not defiance and it's not disrespect. It's a lack of ability to calm down. And so when I see a kid who's dysregulated, I have to do a different set of things to kind of help them calm down and gain control of their body again. So maybe it's time alone with me together to kind of sync with another human. That's, that's probably my default. And if it's too overwhelming, it might be, you know, I need to give them time alone away from me so that I can calm down because sometimes my emotions get wrapped up in that. But with dysregulation, that to me is not a, a time for punishment. It's a time for helping the kid learn a method of, of self-soothing and, and, and self-care. So I, I, I think it's really critical when we're talking about this as leaders to identify the four different Ds. Um, I got this whole kind of the structure from my buddy Pete Sutton, uh, who's kind of an all-star in this space and, and a foster mm -hmm. parent and a pastor as well. Um, but it's been really, really helpful to me in, in my years of ministry to have these kind of four boxes. And as a parent, um, to have these four boxes, okay, is my kid just distracted right now? Do I need to redirect? Are they disrespecting? Do I need to set mm -hmm. clear boundaries? Are they defiant? Do I need to actually institute a, a, a decisive discipline action? Or are they dysregulated? Do I need to just help them calm down? Yeah, Courtney and Bobby, both really, really valuable. I think something that I really appreciate is Bobby having that distinct idea that you can really categorize these things and you don't have to put a label on it um, but you can you know be prepared by being able to kind of identify what general sphere the actions of your child are falling into and by equipping parents 
with that kind of mindset, they can really begin to understand how do I react in this situation, but be prepared for, you know, kind of the general future with these four quadrants. And so being able to have those quadrants is, is really helpful. Well, um, Courtney, we just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. You are so wise, so fun to talk to, and we just appreciate all the advice uh, and, and wisdom that you've given to us today. Yeah, Courtney, I'm just really grateful. Thank you so much for, for making the time to be with us today. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we'd love to have you come back if if you're willing. There was a bunch of questions that, that people have submitted that we didn't have time for today, and mm. uh, I'd love to, if, you, if you're willing, we'd love to have you come back and, and chat through some of those too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me today. I always learn from you guys as well. So thank you for what you bring to leaders all over the country. Courtney's so great. I absolutely love her. I mean, you worked with her. I knew her, um, attended her church for a number of years, and she's just so encouraging. She loves leaders. She just has such a passion for students. And every time I see her interact with students, she's got a huge smile on her face and uh, is just so enthusiastic. I, I just absolutely um, just love the adoration she has for kids, the respect she has for parents, and just how much she values showing them Jesus' love. Mm-hmm. I, I really like also just when we talk with her how humble she is. Mm. Uh, she's got these years of experience and this expertise and she's always willing to learn more and she mm. has managed to always come across really relatable to me and, and, and really helpful to me as she's tended to my kids in her ministry. Uh, and so I've, I'm really grateful to have had her today. And we've actually got a great resource for you this week. As we mentioned in the episode, my friend Pete Sutton at Compass Church in Naperville, Illinois, helped us develop this resource we're calling the four Ds of discipline. And what this resource will help you do is identify which behavior pattern the kids in your ministry are in, and it will help equip you to prepare your parents to identify it in their kids. And it will actually also walk you through what to do next with each of those four categories. So it will take you a little bit further than than what we actually discussed in today's episode. And if you want to get that guide, you can go to rallypointmin.com slash podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download that resource and get others that we've created just for you. And if you're already an email subscriber, the link to that resource is actually going to be in your inbox when we drop this episode today. If you like what you heard today, please, please rate or review this podcast on your favorite app. By doing this, you're going to help other leaders find this resource so that they can become more prepared leaders as well. And also, we want to hear from you. So tell us how this podcast has helped you or what challenges you might be facing that we could cover. So send us an email at hello at rallypointmen.com. Thanks for listening to the Rally Point podcast. We'll see you next week.